Welcome to episode 59 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, so welcome along to episode 59 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Owls, but actually it's a little bit different today because today we don't have Coach John Newsom. Well, we kind of do. Um, the, today's show has actually been pre-recorded. We did an interview with Gordo Byrne um, around about or two weeks ago and we really focused on the topic of power. Uh, it's a really, really good interview. We talked to Gordo for about 40 minutes and we covered all the questions that we feel you'd want to know in regard to how to use power in your training for an Ironman triathlon. Um, so pretty much that's going to be the whole show today. Today will be a bit of a shortened show, but um, just for the record, John's actually over in Poland right now running a training camp with a few um, Ironmen over there and he's going for two weeks. I got an email from him the other day saying he's doing the big yards and he's getting a bit tired but that's okay and uh, he's looking forward to getting back into it next week's show will be back to normal so we'll get onto that then just for the record Iron Man Talk is proudly brought to you by Iron I mean how get it right by coffeesofhawaii.com so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later on because they've got some new exciting news for you guys as well so we're going to get straight into the interview um, this is Gordo and uh, let's do it Okay, so on uh, the show today, we're very happy to have uh, Gordo Byrne back on. We've Good old Gordo's back. We've had him on from Epic Camp, and uh, actually the interview we had with Scott and Gordo has been our most popular episode with the biggest number of downloads. So um, we're getting Gordo back on. A lot of you guys have uh, read info, info about Gordo, maybe read his book, um, his best-selling book. Uh, but today we really wanted to have a quick catch-up with Gordo and then really focus in on, on power because we've got, been having lots of questions on that lately. And Gordo's a bit of a power Who better man. to ask, eh? Yeah, so, so what's been happening in uh, Gordo world lately, Gordo? Well, I've been, uh, I've been in Nevada for a training camp. That went really well. And I finished up my first, if you like, racing cycle, my first faster cycle. And then following that, I'm, uh, I'm in a, an endurance cycle. So I did one that was kind of, I did a week that was pretty balanced, rested up for a few days, and now I'm in the middle of a big running cycle. So that's been, uh, been going well. I'm back in, back in Boulder, back in Colorado, and uh, enjoying it here. Very good. And uh, the plan is to do Canada later in the year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything, uh, everything I'm working on is a specific piece of putting together the overall package for Canada. So right now, this run camp I'm doing is is sort of like marathon base training, and I'll get my run Ks up, and then coming off of that, then I'll do another race uh, cycle, and then I'm actually going to take a bit of a break and uh, just keep it ticking over for a couple weeks, shed all the fatigue before I uh, get into the uh, the big push, the sort of specific preparation for Canada at the end of August. Cool. So yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, the topic we're really going to focus on today was power, um, and I know you've been yeah. power, using power for quite some time. Um, when you first started up with it, did, did it change the way you trained very much? It it uh, actually no, it didn't. It didn't change anything really for me because it was it was really early days on power. So I started in '99. So for '99 and 2000, I would do workouts on the Compu Trainer. I do, you know, some some endurance training. Try try to do some test sets and stuff. 
Um, but I didn't really understand what was going on, and so I used to just sort of just do stuff on my Compu Trainer. When it really, when the inform, when I really started to understand it a lot more, is when I got a power tap in. I think it was probably the end of 2000 or early 2001. I got the uh, I got a power tap and I started riding with that, and that really kind of opened my eyes up to what was happening on my longer rides, on my hilly rides. It let me see sort of what was going on, and I think yeah, actually I remember that because I remember I was I had the power tap on my bike when I was staying at your parents' place, Johnny. <laughs> when I moved down to New Zealand. In uh, so that'd be like end of end of 2000, early yeah. 2001 was really when I got power on the road, and I had I had that power tap for one or two years, and then I went to SRM, and then now I'm on Ergomo. So I've used all the different systems, with the exception of the Polar system, uh, in terms of the you know the the, the well known ones. Um, and I'd say the biggest change was uh, learning that what I thought was going on in training was different than what was actually going on in training, particularly later in my rides, and as well at the you know bottoms of bottoms of climbs and various areas where you start to see that you maybe are wasting a lot of watts, you're wasting a bit of power, or you start to see that you got some big fade going on in your longer sessions so you're starting out at a pace that might feel easy but which is totally unsustainable and I really saw that when I was probably when I was a fast age grouper or a slow pro however you want to describe it in that my early you know the power that I'd be doing in my first hour of a ride would be way too high relative to the duration of the ride and I'd be going much too hard earlier in a workout and so I have a lot of fade late in my workouts and I'd see that in my racing I didn't start racing with power I'm guessing it was probably I might have got the SRMs in uh, well maybe 2001 and uh, the summer I think of 2001 so the first Ironman I did was Ironman Canada in 2001 with with, uh, with power on my bike and there I really saw you know sort of in cold hard numbers uh, the fade and you can really see your bad patches and various things when you look at the data afterwards, and that was an eye-opener for me. So when you say you were seeing a fade in both training and racing, um, was your heart rate staying pretty constant and you were seeing a drop-off in power, or were you seeing a drop-off in heart rate and power, or an increase in heart rate and a drop-off in power? Yeah, you can kind of. it really depends on the day. Uh, you can see... You can see anything. The main the, the main thing that I was seeing that really sort of is is that it was getting a lot harder. So my perceived exertion was going up, but my watts were going down. So that was the key thing. Now heart rate might go up, it might go down, it might stay the same. That has a lot to do with hydration status, calories, how hot it is. But the main thing that I was really seeing was that I thought I was working harder, but in reality I was doing less work, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I also learned that in areas where I was wasting power so you know the classic one is when you're going into a long climb at a relatively high speed you know if you stand say you stand up stomp on the pedals a bit well you're you're putting your chest into the wind you're jacking your heart rate up you're putting a lot of watts out you're not buying any speed with that so it helped me learn that and sort of becoming more experienced on the bike you know training with you John and, (laughs) uh, and the guys down in Christchurch 
really helped me learn that you know I was keen, but I was a bit clueless, and it, and it helped me learn how not to waste uh, my efforts. And when you start doing those longer rides, and you start saying, "Look, I want to I want to pick up my watts at the end of the ride, or I want to be holding my power at the end of the ride," learning what it takes to pace that pace that long ride, and that's what it takes to have a strong Ironman. Now, combined with that, I had Scott telling me. Uh, which was fundamental to my development as a triathlete. He told me, "Hey, look, you got to get out there and you got to start doing some long, steady stuff on the flats, on the arrow bars, riding up and down the port hills all day. You might think you're doing a lot of work, and you are, but you're getting a lot of rest. It's not specific to time trialing, to triathlon racing." And he would send me out, have me do 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe even an hour just steady at that bottom of the steady zone on the arrow bars and I was amazed at how hard it was to hold what seemed like a low wattage relative to my climbing wattage uh, on the flats so I had this big big limiter that used to only come out in in races but bumping into Scott and and Scott helping to guide me I really it, it became obvious to me in training and it's really driven home when you're looking at a power meter because you might think you're working, but you look at your numbers and you might be 40 or 50 watts lower on the flats than you are climbing. And most most triathlons have a have a good chunk where you're just trucking along on the flats, and you need to get strong in that. And that's also a great type of aerobic training to benefit our overall endurance. So, Gordo, you mentioned that you you race and you definitely train with a power meter. How religious to them to your zones are you when you're actually out there doing it? Okay, that. That kind of depends. Um, the okay, religious to my zones. I, I, you know, I think. Well, let's talk about training first. For for training, the most important part of training is actually getting out the door. So it's not so much what you're doing; it's the fact that you're actually getting out there consistently, training, backing it up day after day. So that's sort of the first point. So if we're going to talk a little bit about protocol, I think it's easy for people to get caught up in protocol and in zones. But basically, if you're missing workouts, if you're getting sick, if you're not eating right, you're not sleeping right, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You're not going to get the full benefits of your efforts. So with that said, let's talk about zones. In From an endurance point of view, from if we're, if we're talking about training for uh, training – the, the steady state stuff, so the, the base training phase, the core of all our training, that endurance component. The power is really just a way for me to measure my progress. It's also a leading indicator of fatigue if my numbers are starting to go down or if my numbers get out of whack relative to how I'm feeling. So I'm not, I, I tend to just accept power. I don't target power if I'm doing an endurance training session. So, for instance, I'm much more looking at kind of how it feels, and I'm using power maybe as a ceiling and using my heart rate as a ceiling. Now, where power really helps me is when I try and go a bit faster. So I'm starting to do maybe some intervals. I'm doing some moderately hard, or I'm doing longer intervals or some threshold work. Um, And there the power really helps me because you don't get, when you're fresh and you're going to do something fast, those first few minutes, you don't really get a good indication of how hard you're going, and that's where the power can really help. So, for instance, if you want to hold, say, threshold effort, if you can see, if you know what your threshold watts are, you can keep yourself from kind of going bananas in that first 90 seconds to three minutes 
of, say, an eight-minute interval or a 20-minute interval. And that's really beneficial for finishing all your intervals strong and making sure that you can descend your intervals uh, in terms of power and in performance, speed, the whole thing. Because I always like to finish everything faster than I start. And you, you talked yeah. about, you know, zones and so on. I mean, how have you gone about actually setting your zones for, you know, for both training and racing? Have you got any particular protocols you like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, as a, as a starting point for most people, if we're seeing as we're talking about the bike, I mean, as a, as a starting point for most people, I kind of... I look at their age, and generally I find, you know, for the younger guys, uh, Betty, how old are you? 29, nearly 30. Getting old. 30? Well, 30 still, 30 still pretty young. So for a guy, say a guy like Bevy around 30, you know, we're going to be looking for the bottom of his steady zone, maybe around 135. Uh, I'm a bit older. I'm getting close to 40 now, so maybe the bottom of my steady zone might be 128 or 130. Yeah. And we just kind of dial it in over time. I think early on, if you're going to make a mistake with your training zones, it's much better to go a little bit too easy um, and then maybe pick it up towards the back end of your longer workouts. Something that I've found uh, that I've been using this year and that I used in my own training but a little more informally, you know, Mark Allen's got this, formula that he likes to set the max aerobic heart rate um, and then the idea is in your endurance training phase you're going to be under uh, this this maximum heart rate that's a useful tool uh, for a starting point I've been using that in my own training when I was uh, when I trained for an ultra when I was an ultra marathon or this before triathlon we did a tremendous amount of training that was kind of under about 150 beats per minute same thing in Epic Camp. What I've noticed with the guys is they can really throw down a lot of volume until they start crossing 150 a lot, and then the, the physiological load on them tends to change. So I guess that's kind of a long answer. I mean, I, what I do is I look at race data for the athlete, the athlete's age. We look at what their real limiters are. I think a lot of athletes that can tolerate training at, say, higher heart rates would actually benefit from training at lower heart rates, particularly an example of that would be, say, somebody that comes from, I don't know, say, a, a mountain bike racing background. So they're, they're, they're geared up for events which require very high intensity for about two hours on the bike, a lot of climbing, very fast starts, uh, a lot of high-intensity stuff. Those types of athletes on the bike their steady zone might feel ridiculously easy to them and they'll be tempted to go harder but my view is by going harder they're not necessarily going to get fitter they'll just be getting more tired what I'd rather they do is back off keep the steady stuff steady leave themselves that little bit fresher for when they're actually going to go hard and then they're going to be able to really drill it um, so that's that's, that's some thoughts there, guys. So, so obviously the testing is kind of important how often do you get around to doing it or do you recommend people do it? Every workout is a chance to test when you have a power meter. That's the beauty of it, because you always, you're, you know, you're you're always looking. You, you got your cadence, your watch, your heart rate. You know how you're feeling, your speed. You got everything right there. So I mean, every day you're getting a feel for how you're going, and then that's the great thing about it. It's impartial. Uh, what is it? Objective feedback. Um, you know, the, the power is just how much work you're doing. Um, doesn't matter if there's a tailwind, a headwind, uphill, downhill, whatever. So it, I think it's really good that way. In terms of doing a lot of when I was new to power, 
you know, I heard about all these tests, you know, best effort six minutes, best effort 12 minutes, and all these really hard tests and hard workouts you, you hear about. And, you know, being a, being a guy that was a complete keener, I'd go out and, you know, try and do these tests, but they, they just, they destroyed me. I mean, I would go absolutely balls out. I would really tire myself out. So what I prefer now is more uh, aerobic benchmarking. So, for instance, if you think the bottom of your steady zone is, say, 130 beats a minute or 135 beats a minute, then you're going to do a good warm-up, and then you're going to find a flat course, and you're going to hold 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or 40 minutes, say, at uh, that bottom aerobic uh, heart rate. Because you can do this workout sort of any time just to get yourself a benchmark. And then maybe you'll go do 10 minutes easy, and you'll do it again to see if you have any fade or if you have a whole lot of heart rate creep. Um, to sort of check the depth of your fitness. So I, I, I'm keen on aerobic uh, benchmarks, and then if you're going to do sort of a max aerobic benchmark, then normally the duration is going to be shorter. Uh, you're going to do 15 minutes up to, say, 30 minutes, and that's going to be maybe at a heart rate of, say, 150. Um, some guys like to do uphill testing. Personally, for uh, triathlon, I think it's more... Uh, you'll find your performance is more linked to what your mat, what, what your sort of power output is on the flats. So I prefer to do the benchmarking on the flats um, because it's much more specific for uh, triathlon racing. When you were going up the the Col de Tourmalet chasing down Mike Montgomery, were you keeping an eye on your power then? <laughs> no, I went. I, I was. Uh, you know, last year was for fun, and this year's for performance. Yeah. I did a lot of things last year that I won't be doing this year, uh, and and I got to admit when uh, is it, did did Johnny have you, have you told the listeners why we postponed Italy yet or not? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when when uh, when we had that when we had that uh, reason to postpone Italy, a very good reason by the way, Johnny. <laughs> Um, when we when we had that reason, I was not disappointed because you know doing doing an epic camp in the middle of a you know an Ironman buildup for me uh, at this stage it leaves me a little bit it leaves me that 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 little bit too tired. But so the cold of Tourmalet after Mike actually the the, the one where I really went bananas was uh, Andorra. Yeah. When I had when I had the lead out from. Uh, when I had the lead out from Michael Peters, yeah, and then, he, and then he spent the rest of the camp kind of sleeping after that day. <laughs> it was it was a good bit for the team, and then Mike 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 didn't talk to me for a day, but he, he eventually got over it. We're friends now. But yeah, I did. I think that was uh, that was 300 watts for 90 minutes uphill, and that was uh, what was that? Was that day eight? So that was that was pretty good power output considering how how shelled we all were. So when you're racing in an Ironman, what sort of power are you generally sitting on? Okay, now this, this, this is okay. This is really interesting to me because I, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work trying to figure out what I think works for me. I think what kills you in Ironman. There's a couple of things that kill you. Power peaks, so those little surges, uh, those little bits of high heart rate, those those accelerations that might not necessarily buy you any time. I think those 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 really add up for a lot of athletes, particularly. The majority of the field, well, not the majority of the field. I say like 95% of the field, which are don't have the luxury of having a lot of time to spend a lot of time on the bike. So I think if you're a lower volume bike athlete, uh, those little peaks can really add up. 
And there's a guy, an American coach called Rich Strauss, that says, you know, in an Ironman, you want to ride cheesy, which is, you know, save watts wherever you can. Don't get overexcited. And it's all about trying to get the lowest average and your best, uh, your best speed for those watts. So you really want to use your watts wisely. Now, here's what I do. Now, another thing to bear in mind is when you listen to uh, the faster male athletes talk, their race could be very different than some of your listeners' race. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if, if I'm going out and I'm racing for eight and a half hours, comparing, comparing my approach to say somebody's going to be out there for 13 hours, my approach is going to have a lot more in common with how that 13-hour athlete would race a half Ironman than an appropriate effort for that 13-hour athlete to race an Ironman. So that's worth people bearing in mind when I just start running through some of these numbers and that. So here's what I've found. I've found that my my average power for a half Ironman race that I'm rested for and that I run well contains a lot of information for me. And I'll use some actuals for you from, uh, from say, 2004, which is the last time I was really fit. So in 2004, I did the 54-30 half Ironman. And I averaged 300 watts for the bike leg of that half Ironman, and my heart rate was 150 beats. Now, to average the 300 watts, it was it was roughly it was something like say 290 for an hour, and then about 310 for an hour the second hour, um, round numbers. And then the, the heart rate average it was something similar. It was like 148 for the first hour, 152 for the the second hour. Um, so, how do I use that data? Well, that 150 for me is becomes uh, a heart rate cap. So I never want my heart rate to go over that average that I sustained uh, in the half Ironman. Okay? So climbing, rollers, whatever. Yep. Uh, start of the bike ride, which is a really key spot to get your heart rate and everything under control. Now the watts, that 300 watts, what I do is I use that for a ceiling on the on the flats. So if I'm on the flats, I never want my watts to go over 300. So I take all the peaks out when I'm on the flats. Then, related to that, I know I knew at the time that my threshold wattage was about 350. So when I was climbing, there's a long climb in Canada, uh, Richter Pass. It's about a 10k climb, six mile climb, I think. And I never wanted to go over 350. So I was sitting about 300 to 350 uh, going up that climb. And then the final piece in terms of caps, and that's how I'm using my power meter. I'm using my power meter to cap out my peaks so I'm going to be able to run well. The final piece is my VO2 max watts. So at that time, my VO2 max watts were about 400 and so I never wanted to see a 400 or higher at any time. A roller standing up on the pedals, never, never, never. So I, I never wanted to cross my VO2 uh, watts in the race. Now that was me, and that was off a race where a half Ironman race where I ran very well. So I ran a 119 off the bike at altitude. So that was it was a great run for me. Well, I think it's important for people, if they're going to use their half Ironman data, they need to use it from a race where they ran well. Because if you blew to bits on mm. the run, then it's not you don't really want to be using that data. Likewise, what I found was that was that was really the 
that was really the the hardest, if you like, or the fastest I ever really pushed it on the bike in an Ironman race. Uh, and I, was, I, I ran well off of that. But I was done in eight and a half hours. So if you're going to be out there longer or you've had an experience with Ironman racing where you were running below your potential, then I think you're going to have to go even easier than those guidelines. And for background, I ran a 246 off the bike. So it was... So I think I got it right in terms of my my bike and my run pacing that day. I, I felt like I, I I rode that. It was a very solid bike ride for me, and I was still able to run well. Uh, I was on and I was on fumes by the end of the race. So I got it about as right as I could. Do you find it interesting? Most of the pros we've either talked to or, or I've heard interviews with, um, they don't use power in, in Kona. They're basically riding on perceived effort. Does that surprise you a bit? Well. Uh, well, not with a seven-meter draft zone, because uh, you know you, there's uh, you just got to take it. I, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 I mean, you guys should get a pro cyclist on and ask him what you know if, if if he thinks that there's no benefit from sitting five meters between bikes when you're third or fourth wheel with a bunch of guys that are hauling at you know between 38 and 44 k an hour on a smooth road. I mean, it's it's. You know, don't don't take it from the fast male triathletes. Take it from somebody that does it for a living, like the 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 elite cyclists. Yeah. I mean, I can see why. You know, if you're a guy, I mean, uh, and you want to do well in the race, yeah, you got to stay on that group no matter what because the benefit is there. But you know, last year in Canada and in Brazil, the Ironman I did, we had a 10 meter draft zone, and I think it might have been 10 meters between bikes. But in any event, it was it was big enough that there was no benefit. So, so there's so so you got to ride your own race, and it becomes a time trial, and that's where the sort of the personal limits uh, really start to matter. So you know if you're racing, so these tips probably count more for a course like Lake Placid than a course like Florida, where there's you know if you're an age group guy and you're a decent swimmer, you got five six hundred of your pals grouped around you, and, and you know there's going to be if you're a strong cyclist, there, there is going to be there, there is going to be some benefits there, and maybe there's going to be some surges and some other stuff. I don't know, but I really think uh, I really think having your limits works well. I mean, when I started racing elite and I got faster, I was where a lot of the fast age group guys uh, find themselves. You kind of end up in no man's land. So you're not really with anybody because I wasn't a fast swimmer. So I was kind of by myself most of the day, and that's how I managed to sort of figure these different things out because I didn't have anybody to set the pace for me. I just kind of had to figure it out for myself. Mm-hmm. I think so, also, I think just one point on the on the you know sometimes people ignore their power meters. Uh, you know I think that's just the classic thing of of uh, self sabotage in a race. You know some people cover it up because they don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I heard Farris say that he he covered it up. Well, I mean, if he doesn't want to know and he wins the race, I mean, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell him what to do. But but I think you know, if 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 you're somebody that doesn't have, I don't know how many Ironmans he's done, 16 or maybe close to 20. I I, I heard a. I heard an interview on another leading podcast uh, with him, and uh, and I, he's been around a while, so he, he's a pretty experienced guy. Um, if you don't have that kind of experience, I, I think it's silly to ignore the data because the way we feel at the beginning of a Ironman bike leg is is you know we've just been beaten senseless for about an hour, an hour twenty, you know, in the water. Say if you're an age group guy, 
uh, and even worse if you're a lady because you've got you've had all these men sort of smashing into you, and you're just going to be really stressed out, somewhat disoriented at the start of the bike. And you know, having the power meter there is, is this little bit of sanity that's sort of you know flashing numbers up at you, and it can kind of keep you from doing something silly in those first uh, 20, 40 minutes of the bike. So, so in that case, Gordo, do you actually recommend power meters for age groupers, and if so, or if not, why? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I think it depends. I'm, I mean, you know, there's, there's, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, when you travel around, there's your average age grouper uh, down in Dunedin, in the <laughs> South Island, and then there's your average age grouper uh, who's a financial planner in San Diego, say. I yep. mean, they're, they're, they're coming at it completely differently. There's different budgets. So I really think it depends on how much money you've got to spend. So the way I I look at it is, you know, all right, well, first, you know, you're going to get yourself a heart rate monitor, get yourself a set of aero bars, get yourself a comfortable bike, you're probably going to, you know, you can get yourself a wetsuit. I mean, these sort of these sort of bits of kit. Then if you're getting to the point where you're thinking, well, is a set of race wheels or is an ergomo going to get me more speed? My view is that the the race wheels might theoretically get you more speed on on your bike, but the power meter will get you more speed on your race. So in terms of having the most likely outcome of a successful day, if you're actually going to use the thing in a race and pay attention to what it's telling you, the power meter makes that much more possible. I've felt that part of the reason why I've run well relative to my competition is the fact that I've applied the lessons that I've learned on the bike um, in terms of what I just laid out for you, those those power spikes, those limits. I've applied those on my bike splits, so I've had more even bike splits, and then my legs are that little bit fresher when I come off, and I'm able to use my run fitness. A lot of people, their legs are so shot by the time they get off the bike They've trained this run fitness, but they're never going to get to tap into it because they're a bit exhausted coming off the bike or their legs are blown out. So when these, when, if you go out there and you, know, you get your, your power meter, what are the sort of first steps you need to take uh, with just sort of uh, getting to grips with it all? Okay. Well, uh, first off, you, you, need to learn, you need to learn how to use the thing, how, how to uh, charge it up and how to calibrate it because most of the leading brands require some form of calibration. So I think read the manual, check it out. And then in terms of you're on the roads, the thing's calibrated, you're rolling along, I would say change absolutely nothing. Train absolutely normally and just watch what you're doing. Learn what you're doing on hills, on your long workouts, on C-priority races, on B-priority races. Just learn what you're doing. See where you're at and try and get a, try and get a feel for where all your different numbers are. That would be the most important thing. Uh, I think, you know, I think that that's the key. That that's where the real learning takes place. And then after that, then then really it's just another tool to be using within your overall training. But I think your overall training. I mean, I'm a big believer in what Hellman's taught me. Um, you guys, you guys ever you ever had Hellman's on the show? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, you know, all these tools, all these gizmos are really just things that are going to help us learn feel, learn that per- perceived effort, learn how things, we're really just trying to educate ourselves on how things should feel. And that's it. You know, you're going to, you're going to be tra- doing most of your training steady or moderately hard. 
and then you can use your power meter for helping guide you on your threshold and your VO2 type sessions. And I mean, that's the, that's the main thing. I, I don't think it's a I, there's no magic sort of formula with uh, in terms of you know I see people saying oh I want to I want to ride whatever it is. So sometimes somebody will say 72 or 73 percent of threshold watts. Um, I mean, for one for, for for a certain distance. I mean, you know. That doesn't take into account hills, downhills, flats, fitness. So I, I don't think there's a lot of information in averages on power meters. Um, what I do is I look at segments of workouts, so main sets. Um, I mean, probably the longest duration I'll look at is about an hour, um, and that would be a pretty long main set. Uh, I prefer to look at uh, you know 20, 30-minute chunks. Uh, just to get a feel for, uh, you know, just for benchmarking. And then on the hard stuff, the shorter intervals, it's useful. You know, you can look at average, you look at your average power. Okay, Gordon, so where are some of the best places that you've come across to actually find more info on, uh, like, websites or books? Because or, I know you do your research, so give us some gold. Yeah. Uh, don't read, <laughs> don't post on the Internet, get out there and train, yeah. honestly. Yeah, the the amount of talk on power meters, it's just a it, it's a waste of time. I, I I mean, I think most people, I mean, it, it just confuses people. I mean, what what'll really help is getting out there, doing some training. You know, just just look at what's going on and get out there and train. I mean, you'll 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 learn a tremendous amount. Um, that said, <laughs> if I was going to look for a book, or a website, or some guidance from somebody. I think it's really important that your mentor, your power mentor, your power coach, whoever this person is you're going to put trust in, ideally they will have done what you're trying to do or they will have helped other people do what you're trying to do. And what do I mean by that? There's a lot of information, good information, about cycling-specific time trialing with uh, power meters. But a 40k time trial is very, very different than, uh, say, an Ironman triathlon. And I don't necessarily think the lessons from a one-hour best average uh, event will apply directly to an event that's 9 to 17 hours long. So I would look for seminars, uh, articles, uh, you know, talks, that are given by people that have experience with power in your particular area of the sport. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a novice, if you're new to it, somebody that's uh, got experience helping people that are new, new to power. Because if you if you if you drop yourself into a talk that's given by, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, somebody that's won the Giro's coach or something. Um, you know, that guy's using power in a different context than say. Um, somebody that's been doing triathlon for three years is training for a half Ironman. So if you take some of those lessons, apply them across, apply some of those workouts across, you're probably gonna, you, you might nuke yourself. And I think that's that's one of the mistakes that that I made with using power is I decided that you know oh, I got this power meter, so I was going to do a bunch of really hard stuff. I mean, I remember one session I did where I completely nuked myself, and it was something like you know it was either seven, it was between seven to nine one mile repeats all out 
Um, so it was like just on the bike, just on, uh, and I'm talking all out, like hard as I can go. Smacking yourself. And that was, and that and that workout didn't necessarily. If I had just done that workout, I, I might have gotten away with it. You know, you can you normally get away with doing one or two stupid workouts, but it was part of a whole series of stupid workouts that I did because I, I was trying to get fast for a half Ironman. And to be fair, you know, this is this is before I started really working closely with Scott, and we were just kind of working informally. And uh, I didn't know him well enough to know that when Scott tells you to stop doing something, like you're doing too much or you're going too hard, you better stop immediately. Um, because, you know, he's he's not afraid of pushing the boat out a bit. And I kind of ignored him, and I completely fried myself. And I, I actually had to take the rest of the summer off. Uh, that was one of my one of my little stints of overtraining, but uh, you know I kind of deserved it. I made a few mistakes, so I'd be wary of that. You know, wary of doing a lot of hard stuff just to test that power meter out. Have you got sort of any other comments on power that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, um, yeah, I made a couple. Um, the uh, we touched on that. Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm just looking at my notes here. It's well prepared. Ah, uh, you know, there's it's. The power meter is a, is a good tool for giving you confidence for something. And what do I mean by that? I mean, it gives you confidence when you're riding by yourself that you're actually doing some work because I think a lot, a lot of times, sometimes you can wonder, well, am I going hard enough? Um, you know, if you just got your heart rate monitor there and it's early in a workout, maybe you're a bit rested, maybe your heart rate's down a little bit, and, and the power meter just gives you that extra little bit of data to say, well, actually, I'm doing some work here. And I think in, in a race, it's useful for a similar reason, but um, and what do I mean by that? I mean the feedback that we get early on a bike leg in a race, it's, it's almost like there's this collective insanity. Everybody's pouring out a T1, and they're going bananas. I mean, it's really fun to stand at the top of Polani Hill at the Ironman, yep. so you just, if you're not racing, you get yourself a nice big Starbucks or, or coffees of Hawaii for that matter. Maybe yeah, I'll have it. up. And I'll have my t-shirt on. Yeah. And then, uh, and you just sit there and you watch, first you get to see all the elites go through, and I swear, it's like an ITU race. I mean, the, 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 the real pros, the guys like Peter and that, they're coming through calm, you know, Tim, uh, they're, they're sort of, they're looking relaxed, but there are some guys up there that are completely just strung out going all out at the beginning of an Ironman race. And now that we get some of those power downloads, uh, you can you can see that, you know, some of the elite guys that just kind of went bananas and then you just see the fade uh, sort of in that second half. But if you've got a power meter on and you got all these people sort of going bananas around you, it can it can give you that kind of little pause and it's like, you know, do, do I really want to go ride as hard as these guys are riding? Um, and, and my view has been the answer is if you don't have the fitness, you don't want to be going that hard because if you're rested and you're in Ironman shape, you can really bust out a solid 40K at the beginning of a bike leg, but you're going to pay later on. So you have to sort of you, you let the race go, and then the race comes back to you. And, it, and depending on the day, some days it comes back quicker than others. I mean, normally it will start coming back about 100K into the bike, and then it really starts coming back on the run when the when the you know when people start shuffling along because they've they've just gone too hard on the bike, and particularly too hard on the swim. So I pass that on. I um just you you said you have actually tried you know pretty much all the types of parameters you have. Do you have a favorite? And if so, why? I've thrown that one at you, but do you? Oh okay. Uh well, I think it's the I think it's important to 
have, I mean, if you're going to get a power meter, you, you need to have a system that you can race with. So a lot of the leading systems, um, you know, you can, you can race with. I mean, PowerTap used to have an issue because they got their special hub um, that, you know, you'd have to have a special race wheel made. Now they do wheel covers and different things. Um, the power meter I'm using right now is Ergomo, and and I like I like Ergomo because it's got the altitude on it, mm. um, and I'm kind of when I, I like seeing how much climbing I'm doing, um, and so I think that's a neat little feature. Um, also, the, the system's working fine for me. So the and in terms of a price point, I think in, for value value for money, part of the reason why I agreed to switch. Uh, was the same reason why I, I changed bikes onto the Planet X is I feel that Ergomo and Planet X as a combination are offering people value for money. Uh, it's a quality product at a fair price, and that's why I agreed to swap over and be associated with both those companies. I also like the people, which nice. is important for me. Nice. So if I had to choose my favorite, it would be what I'm riding on right now, which is the, uh, the Ergomo. I often think when people who are getting sponsored who have choice, that really does show that you do believe in your product. You know what I mean? Like I imagine you go to you get a lot of offers for products, and you know obviously choose ones you really believe in. So um, anyway, what's your plan for the rest of the year, then, mate? What's happening? What's happening in the big Gordo world? Well, I can tell you, I'm going to go very fast on August 26th. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's my plan. I yeah. mean, that's everything's pointing uh, towards that. My training. My race selection—it's all pointing at Canada. That's the. Have you got any actual races coming up? Any like, just you know, pre-race? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be doing. I'm doing a race in uh, outside of Palm Springs, an Olympic distance race, and then I'm going to be in Napa doing a half Ironman. Uh, and then I'm going to be in June. I do my last race before Canada, which will be a sprint try down in Colorado Springs. So who knows? Maybe some of the boys from the OTC will come in smack around an older long course athlete. Very good. <laughs> and how, how were you sort of feeling after Epic Camp New Zealand this year? It was a uh, fairly arduous little camp there, a bit of rain? Oh, you, you, you know, it was, I actually felt awesome. I felt really, <laughs> really good. Like, I, I, it was, uh, it was nuts. I, I went to see Mark after the camp. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm peaking, you know, like, you, you know, when, you, when you're really rested and, and you've got all those recovery hormones and everything sort of going through you. So I felt great. Now, I didn't, I didn't do anything with that, which is really hard to do. I mean, when you feel, when you feel fantastic like that, similar to when you have a, a really good race, it can be tempting to go out and smash yourself, and I've done that before. But that's not the right decision. So, I mean, I'm completely committed to doing the right things for Canada. So I felt the right thing to do was actually to do nothing. So I, I sort of took a long break. I, I had a really easy few days, um, and then just kind of then just kind of eased back into it at altitude. And then I started. Then I continued sort of my faster phase that I started on kind of day eight and day ten at, at, at Epic. Um, and then the same thing, you know. I, I had a I had a great race in Havasu. Had my my fastest hour, my highest average power for an hour on the bike ever uh, there in a race and then same deal you know really fast I'm not going to push it though I, I backed off and I went into another endurance cycle so it's all about pacing the year not getting ahead of myself and just preparing my body for the six weeks of training that I'm going to do that are going to really lift me and just being patient waiting until the summer and it's time to do that 
So in that sort of six-week period, when you say lifting it, is that going to be uh, a big lift in intensity or a, a sort of a big lift in, in like an epic block? It's going to be, I mean, it's the standard stuff. I mean, if, if anybody looked at, uh, some of your listeners may have been reading my logs over the years and stuff. I mean, it, it's it's going to be, you know, I, I don't imagine it's going to be any different than what I've done before. Uh, I mean, to get ready for Canada, the last time I went really fast in 2004. Uh, so it'll be, you know, there'll be some hard stuff on the bike. Uh, the volume, the volume will be up there. Uh, very challenging. You know, one day a week will be a uh, like a, what I call my big day. So big swim, long bike ride, and then a shorter run. And then I'll back that up the with the day after with a with a 20 mile very solid uh, long run. So I'll have a few weekends where I'm pretty much doing an iron a broken Ironman in about. I don't know, whatever it is, 28 hours or something. I'll have a few sort of key weekends. And then Monday and Friday are easy. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday have some specific sessions and main sets in them that address uh, certain parts of my physiology as well as certain aspects of the Canada course. But, I mean, there's no real... There's no real secrets. I think where folks go wrong with these, you know, that that sort of the six-week block or the specific preparation block is two areas. One... They don't do the preparation necessary to do the training. You know that Floyd Landis quote? You guys know that one that was no. on outside? No. Where Floyd goes, you, you can't, um, if somebody's overtrained, it means that actually they were undertrained because oh, they didn't do enough preparation oh, to nice. do the training required to meet their goals. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, a lot of people want to do the hard training but they're not willing to put in the time to do the preparation for that hard training. So as a result, the hard training flattens them. They get injured and they go into the race flat. So you want your hard training, your specific training, to lift you. So that's when I talk about the my, my big block lifting me. That's what I'm looking for and that's what's going to happen. Another thing I, I think, and I wrote about it in my blog a couple weeks ago, is that you know when things are going well, sometimes we can get a bit greedy. And my best training will happen probably four weeks out from the race. And then I'll start to get really cautious as I lead into the race because you don't want to be blowing your race fitness as you're coming into your key event, which is uh, always a temptation to sort of test yourself or you get in a group situation and you're fit enough to really throttle your pals. Um, so you go try it. Um, so you, you get, it takes a lot of um, patience to be smart about it and hold back. Mm. Very good. We wish you all the best for the rest of the year, and uh, thanks for your time today. You're a champ, you are. And, uh, we'll <laughs> thanks, boy. <laughs> Pleasure being on. We'll see you down here for Epic Camp next year. I'm looking forward to it. Good. Hey, well, yeah, well, thanks for showing. And, and our listeners really love hearing from you, and I've had lots of questions for you, so I'll uh, we'll get you on the show. So thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll catch up with you again maybe later on in the year some stage, and definitely with Epic next year. So mm. bring it on. Cool. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll stop recording there. So, Wicked, thanks for that. Um, and I suppose it's time for bed now, is it? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a short hitter, Johnny. You know that. i <laughs> <laughs> to get to bed. Very good. <laughs> and uh, cool, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, guys, thanks. Cool, mate, thanks, man. See ya. guys, so big thanks to Gordo for that interview there. Um, I'm sure you really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm just going to get pretty much straight into the end of the show stuff now. Uh, Iron Man Talk is proudly brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii. Now, we want you to go check out their website because it's updated and it's looking fan-flipping-tastic. Um, they've obviously spent a lot of money on some web developers because 
Oh, I could learn a thing or two from those guys because it's really cool. So one thing Albert actually sent me an email through, and he's saying that um, they're not actually going to be. Let me actually let me let me do my piece while I'm talking here. They aren't actually doing sales anymore over the internet. They're actually setting up a loyalty card program, and uh, and really what he's looking for you guys to do is to actually just sign up for the loyalty card program at this stage. Um, I'm not actually 100 percent sure on what that actually means. I know it means you get promotions, and they you know kind of keeps you into the inside of what they're doing, but um. Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly if that means you can order through the loyalty card. I'm sure Albert will actually listen to the show and give me some feedback for that for next week. But um, So for now, if you guys could go on to um, coffeesofhawaii.com and check out their new website first of all, and then second of all, sign up for the loyalty card because we are loyal to them. I'm just actually bringing up their website right now. Um, you'll notice when you actually go onto the website, they have some new, I'm not sure if it's new coffee or if it's new... Um, Marketing. Well, it looks like it's new stuff. So, check out all the new flavors. It's looking pretty flash in the new bags. And uh, yeah, um, coffeesofhawaii.com. Always support the coffees of Hawaii. Um, what else do we need to do? Okay, so if you go into our store, Amazon, um, and buy your stuff from Amazon, that'd be really cool. Uh, one click on a website would be really cool. Um, any email questions? Now we are back into the land of the Iron Man Talk Studios normal kind of week next week so if you want to give us an email we've had a few um you guys haven't been emailing us as much this week which has been great because we've been so busy but now we're back into it so if you've got any questions you want to fire through to us feel free to email us at ironmantalk at gmail.com um anything else i need to remember uh if you want to skype us a question there's a link on our webpage www.ironmantalk.com uh, the, the cycle jerseys. Now these are selling like hotcakes. It's unbelievable. We kind of we're hoping to get a certain amount, and we've already exceeded that. So it's great to see you guys are supporting that. We're taking our orders for the first batch until the 18th of May. So if you want to get in for that first batch of jerseys, um, basically get on the website, go through the link, go through the ordering process, and then uh, we'll get those ordered on 18th of May. And we're looking for about a four week to four to six week turnaround. Actually, I'm not. A, honest to be sure that it's kind of John's thing so um, yep so get a juicy that'd be really cool if you want to donate to the show you can also do that on our website www.ironmantalk.com and the donation button um, other than that uh, normally I say to John about now what are you up to for the week so uh, obviously he's in Poland and uh, I think he's getting kind of getting hammered by the Polish I'm actually training really really hard for rote at the moment uh, today I went for a six and a half hour bike ride and did half an hour off the bike. Um, it's interesting because I'm training all by myself at the moment because John Bo, my training partner, is out of town and Axel, the other guy we train with, I haven't been able to get hold of him. So uh, it's been a really interesting experience training by myself more and more and I've actually got used to doing it. It's something in the past that I wasn't too flash at. I used to mentally find it really tough but today I had a really great ride. So um, it's really cool. I've got a big run tomorrow and luckily I'm kind of injury free with the running front. So at this stage, route's looking really good, and uh, hopefully, I can really hammer it through there. Um, other than that, you guys get out there, train hard, and train well, and uh, we'll catch up for you same time, same place next week. But for now, I better get to get the finish right. It's, oh, just quickly, you'll notice I've made a bit of a change to the website. Um, I wasn't really happy with how I'd done it. I think it was a bit cluttered, and so I decided to really focus on having a content in one area and advertising's on another area. So you just check out the website this week and see the difference I've made there. If you've got any feedback for me, that'd be great, just to give me some insight into um, you know what's happening there. And other than that, uh, I better get this right. I am Russ. I am Men Don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.